welcome. We're live here in New York City, smack dab in the middle of Black History Month. Uh, I have on my teas in the trap, uh, Black History Year tea. Um, I have my green, black, and gold Jamaica track pants. We have a picture of uh, Sir Malcolm X on the hearth, uh, blessing these recordings. I forget where I was, but someone says uh, during a gathering, the food don't bless, the food can't share. So I consider Malcolm our blessing on this podcast. Um, Listening to Total's first album. This podcast is real black right now. Uh, My co-host, well, I'm Siobhan. My co-host is Andrew. Say hello to the people. Hello to the people. He, he follows yeah. directions. Yeah. Right. Also, I feel severely underdressed right now because I was not aware of the level of blackness that you were bringing to this. <laughs> so I just came in a regular black polo. Uh, Tommy Hilfiger, no less. We all know mm. the history of black people. Tommy Hilfiger. See? Yeah. But, you know, if I would have known, I would have came with my I love my blackness and yours t-shirt. Uh, I know. Yeah. I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> you know, I, I left my Usain Bolt pants at home. Mm. But, you know, next recording. We're, next we're, recording. We're going to do it right. See, the thing was, I thought we were going to be recording in Harlem. So that would have kind of doubled down on the blackness, but you know, I I can't bring it too hard here. We're we're in corporate America right now. So, <laughs> well, so, Siobhan, let a p- little people let the people know a little bit about what we're doing here. So our purpose, um, what we're here to do is to write history real time, to curate black culture, to record our ancestors now. Um, We're looking through sort of an anthropological lens. We hope to gain an understanding of ourselves, a better understanding of ourselves, navigate the conflicts that we come across in our bleak experience. Um, We hope to create catalogs and resources to tell black stories, elevating the voices that truly make movements, uh, drive technological process, sorry, progress, um, social awareness, artistic rigor. We're sort of like the black, Library of Congress, or as I like to call us, the Onyx Cultural Catalog. Ooh, I like that one. Right? That's a nice Everything line. black has to be like literally black. Um, we're putting people in this catalog who history won't recognize. The inspiration behind this podcast was actually Peaches Monroe, um, the woman who created the word fleek. Uh, I listened to her. Vine, I, I was late to Vine, so I was listening to that when, when Vine was on its death knell. And when I heard that just 10 second loop, I was like, mm, this is poetry. This woman, she did something here. And I thought like, where is her recognition? Where is her praise? Where is her minting in the cultural catalog of you know influencers? Because when your word, and, and fleek is a new word, it's not like, you know, something like lit where it's an old word that has been, um, the semantics of it have changed over time. This is a new word. So she created a new word that got all the way to like Good Morning America. Not that that's a metric for anything, but I think when Barbara Walters is kind of like up on your your slang, then you're doing pretty good for yourself. So she was kind of the inspiration behind that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm pretty sure Barbara Walters doesn't know what lit is. Okay. So the fact that Fleet got to Barbara Walters, but lit did it, that tells you a lot about mm-hmm. the strength of what she did there. Shout out to Peaches Monroe. So we briefly told you just our names, um, but we'll tell you a little bit about who we are. 
not exactly what we do for a living because that's not necessarily, you know, indicative of who a person is. So, Andrew, tell the people who you are. Sure. Uh, my name is Andrew. Uh, I'm an Aquarian, a dreamer, <laughs> you know, a, a longtime tech fiend, you know, who just can't help but try to f- figure out the way things are. I'm that dude who you'll say something to and then he'll spend two hours on Wikipedia trying to figure <laughs> out, like, is that really real? Why is it that... Why do people do X, Y, and Z? That's who I am. I'm, I'm naturally inquisitive, and I'm always trying to find the answer to stuff. So I think this podcast is going to be very helpful for me and uh, just my navigating through the world and our, our history, our shared history, and my own personal history as well. That's cool. My name is Siobhan. I'm a logician, um, a scientist, someone who's very, um, I forget which side of the brain that's supposed to be, but... Um, <laughs> I'm a very logical person. I'm always looking to find the solutions to problems and to uh, quantify how we can come to a solution. I'm a writer, so I'm very much strong in my logic, but strong also in my creativity. I'm a humorist. I stay cracking jokes. Um, I'm an ideas woman. I spend a lot of time really thinking about ways to decorate or I grew up in the Hype Williams era, so I'm always thinking of how a song looks as a music video. I do a lot of things, a lot of um, drawings and scrawlings and and just getting out all of these creative ideas that that come to mind. I'm also the developer of this podcast. I um, It was in one of my creative fits that I wrote basically the whole thing, like 13 episodes. Yeah, let me, I'm sorry to interject, but let me tell you, <laughs> Siobhan came to me one day and said, Andrew, I got this idea for a podcast. We should work on it. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure. Cool. Let's meet up. Let's talk about it. I get there with like a couple of notes about what I think it should be. Siobhan pulls out like a 12 page manifesto <laughs> saying, all right, episode one, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Episode two is going to be this. On episode three, we're going to explore the creative. I'm like, oh my God, this girl <laughs> has like plotted out the entire show already. And I was like, hold on. So um, I just wanted to talk real briefly about um, our logo. I was imagining sort of a steampunk theme, um, really an orange glow in the background. I have an artist who uh, is willing to do some, yeah, like it was kind of real for me. So that's kind of the energy I was coming with, just so you know. And all those, um, those episodes that I had written, you know, Andrew is really a pivotal portion of this podcast because he's the person who um, I come to with those ideas, with those scrawlings. I think as someone who writes and imagines things, you're very protective over who you let see those scrawlings, who you let see those beginnings of ideas. And he's one of the people who I wanted um, to look at those ideas and kind of give me notes on them. And he, I mean, he could actually start a business um, taking notes for you in college. He takes fantastic yeah, uh, that's the only reason I graduated college, because <laughs> a lot of times, like, I didn't retain that stuff. I just like looking at it, but I go back and read my notes, like, oh, yeah, okay. I like, uh, in college, people are actually like, hey, I didn't go to class. Kamika, you got the notes, right? I'm like, like, yeah. like he got the notes. I want to I make that a t-shirt. He got the he notes. Got the notes. <laughs> got the notes. So among the, the topics that we're going to be covering, um, really the idea is to, to tell a black story we... It's not that we're stripping away blackness. We're talking about different facets of the black experience. So um, we're going to try to go from the past to the present to the future. 
and tell those those black stories as sort of the central motif um, as it runs through time. We're sort of crafting like an ongoing story of of black people in America as first generation Americans, whomever. Um, we're attempting to hmm, words I'm looking for. Sometimes words fail, but. Um, through this experience, we're, we're trying to kind of incorporate all those things that, that come into the black experience, things like body modification or feeling out of place. Uh, we have both felt that as first generation Americans, feeling out of place, um, being black in a corporate world and feeling like, you know, hey, is this about race? And is it not? You know, that conflict sometimes that we go through where we don't know if we're being discriminated against, or if this is um, just a matter of we didn't have the good idea, that we didn't have the very broad perspective. And so we're just gonna be exploring those types of topics, not only for our edu education, but for the education of anybody else to say like, this is our story. It is um, not just about wearing your Jamaica track pants, but it's about liking Phil Collins, you know, there's all sorts of ways that someone can experience a, a, a black life. And uh, there's so many facets to our experience. So we're not isolating it to just things of that nature. We're trying to take the whole scope. And so that's um, a lot of the topics that we're going to be covering in subsequent episodes. So we told you who we are. Uh, we told you about our podcast, our purpose, what topics we're going to cover. And so um, this is... Uh, with me, with my preparation, um, I created an outline, an outline for the podcast, just so we don't, I don't want to like BS for like 45 minutes. Like some people, they, they got that leeway. Um, but I want to keep things organized. So this is, um, this is the part where I let my hair down. Um, and we're just going to talk about where we're from, memories, things like that. Um, and I'll pick it up. So I was born and raised in New Jersey. My mother's from Jamaica, my father's from Nigeria. Um, I grew up in a predominantly black neighborhood that was very close to a white neighborhood. And the, the demarcation was quite sharp. <laughs> in the pavement, remember that? <laughs> it was, there's literally a line separating. You know, like, you know the old style jokes when people say, you're like, oh, they're from the other side of the tracks. Uh, in the neighborhood that uh, Siobhan and, well, I kind of grew up there as well, but yeah. there's literally a line that like, once you cross that line, you're in the white neighborhood. And it is very clear. It's very nice, too. The grass is, like, perpetually cut. So I didn't go to school in that neighborhood. I went to um, another part of the city. And so I didn't grow up with black kids. And I wasn't ever really, f I didn't feel connected to, to black Americans and the black experience. And so um, that was also the message that I got from my family is that, you know, you are, let's think about it, uh, on my science hat mitochondrial dna right comes from your, from your mother so you are who your mother is and as a jamaican um we always sort of put that that demarcation between us and black americans to say that you know there is a difference and we are not the same and older cousins that we have um have a lot of stories about coming to the u.s and being ostracized and being made fun of for being Jamaican, which, I mean, right now we would think about it as, like, ridiculous because, I mean, Jamaica's lit. But back then it was – that wasn't a thing. that There wasn't that uh, 
the embrace of, of their culture and their identity. Yeah, this this is pre Bob Marley, pre mm-hmm. Usain Bolt, mm-hmm. pre Sean Paul. Okay, uh, pre Shabba Ranks, man. I mean, it was a different time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, what's been really great about uh, social media has been that I'm finding that we actually did have like the same experience. I'm finding that like. Everybody does have that uncle. Everybody, everybody's auntie does hold the cup as she dances and won't let it go. Like put down the ring and nephew. Um, so that and and we were unknowingly living that same tale. And it's we've come to this point now in history where we're like, all right, now, now what's your experience like? And who are you? And we're finding out like, oh, and Black Panther, right? We're cousins. You know, we're it's the other side to your experience. And so that, that connection to me, you know, over time has become really important. Um, but a part of uh, why I want to do this is to basically record my history, to think about um, the things that I grew up with and, and put a name to them and, and put a, a concept to them so that we can, you know, carry these things on. Um, so, Andrew and I are cousins. Um, our mothers are sisters. So <laughs> does anybody know how to make cornmeal porridge? I have no idea. My mother <laughs> knows how to make it. I know when my father asks for it, sometimes he gets it. But I've never actually stopped and looked at how to make it. Uh, right? So like when, you know, we're not we're not being sort of morbid, but like when those things kind of pass, you know, uh, to generations, when let's you know, we're raising grandkids, the caramel porridge is, is gone. You know, we don't know how to do it and we lose that part and we become disconnected. So, um, and it's also knowing what things are called, like that onion and, and shaved carrot mix that they put on top of fried fish. Your mom told me it's, what's it called? Escaviche? Escaviche, yeah. E-S-C-A-V-I-T-C-H-E. Some I've, some places it might be escaviche, but, but yeah. I've never, I, I had not heard that word till we got together that day. Like, yeah. but that's, that's part of it is like putting a name to things so that we can tell our children so that we can make those things so they can feel connected to their culture and carry it with them. Um, so it's, it's kind of brought me back around to where I'm from and, and I've started sort of reconnecting with my home and my family. And I think it's, it's been a great time. It's been a great time for me. So um yeah this is me learning more about myself and my personal history so andrew i'll let you take it away all right uh, i was also born in new jersey um i'm a as siobhan mentioned uh we're cousins uh, i'm a few months older than her but uh because our moms are so close and and for a time we actually lived in the same house or within literally a block of each other for the early parts of our lives i consider siobhan more like my little sister than my cousin yeah. Uh, so I'm uh, also Jamaican, um, but my father, who's from Jamaica, he got sick of New Jersey and said, you know what? We can't take it. Can't and take it. We moved to Miami when I was younger. And he's just Smart like, man. this is just too, this, this cold is just too much. He knew. Yeah. So I grew up in Miami for most of my life and growing up in, in Miami-Dade County, shout out to 305. Hey. Uh, my experience was a little bit different from Siobhan because in Miami, it's, you're, you're around black people all the time and you're around black people from all different backgrounds. 
So like, yes, there's Jamaicans and there's Haitians and there's African-Americans and there's black Dominicans who don't consider themselves black. But that's mm. another episode that we're going to mm. go through. Uh, and then you're, you're around some white people, Colombians, Argentinians, like literally half of Miami uh, was foreign born at the time I grew up there. So it's like a little different of experience. So even though uh, I wasn't African-American, I did consider myself black because of the kids that I went to school with, like we, I went to magnet schools, uh, and I'd meet up with kids from different neighborhoods who were from different backgrounds, but they were still black, and they still, we still had like certain things in common. So we'd find that, and then we'd put each other onto each other's cultures. Mm-hmm. So it was that cool little exchange. But at the end of the day, we're black. We're I just we all consider ourselves black. That was an interesting thing for me. And Siobhan's point about the cornmeal porridge, that I honestly worry about that sometimes <laughs> because. Yeah. My nephew, my oldest nephew, he is obsessed with Aki and Selfish. Mm. And I cannot cook that for the life of me. Exactly. My, my brother doesn't know it. My, my brother's wife is not Jamaican, so she can't cook it. So, like, uh, God forbid something happens to my mom. Like, how's he going to eat that? I like, don't know what he's going to do. And his, see, we lose that. And so yeah. it's so important for us to, to gather that information, to write something on a recipe card, right? Because <laughs> you, know, you know what the thing was? When we were little, they kept kicking us out the kitchen. Exactly. You know, in the kitchen. Get out of the kitchen. You're too damn fast. And it's like we were trying to be a part of this, and you know they kicked us out, and you know go play with your toys and whatever. And so um, we don't have that 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 innate ability to you know season food without recipes, mm-hmm. and we're always looking for the tablespoon. And exactly, all that. and of course our parents don't use recipes. They of course, cook, they cook to touch and to to feel. So uh, I remember I was one time I was cooking, um, and I called my mom. I said, Mom. Uh, how do I how do I do this? And she goes, Oh, just put a, a little bit of salt. And I was like, What does that mean? What's what's a little bit? Is that a teaspoon? Is that a tablespoon? Just, just dash a little bit. And I was like, What? Quantify <laughs> little. Uh, little. Yeah. And by the way, little means little. Uh, that's but the way in in Patois Jamaican speak. I'm like, I need to quantify this, mom. I'm a person who thinks in <laughs> measurements. I need to know how much sherry am I putting? How long am I cooking? Oh, cook it till it turns brown. How long is that? Is that 10 you, minutes? Is that 30 minutes? You'd be looking at the clock like, I, I mean, I've got a meeting at <laughs> 7 o'clock. Um, yeah, it's, you know, what's, what's really funny about what you mentioned with um, the kids clicking up and, you know, representing their different backgrounds is that I came from an experience where people didn't know anything about Jamaica because they were all sort of um, European Spanish and port and uh, Portuguese Portuguese and so it was very much about their culture and their they had their own kind of um, very robust uh, history and community everybody around was was Spanish and Portuguese or you know throwing a Cuban here or you know Puerto Rican there but I'm not talking about like the dark Cubans I'm talking this is like like the light Cubans Cubans, right this is I came over because of communism yes (laughs) exactly and I was rich in Cuba and fair skin Mm -hmm. and I was part of privileged class and And so this is the type of um people where like this is a turnover of a generation and they're already like sort of white Mm -hmm. and uh you know your name um when you come over here might be Raimundo but now they call you Ray, like yep. stuff like that. Well, you're, you become Raymond. <laughs> there you go. Even better. Don't call me Jorge. Call me George. Call me George. Um, so that was a very different experience because it was like being the only black girl in the class. And those teary eyes when we discussed slavery in class and everybody turning around. And I remember somebody like 
she had like tears in her eyes and she turns back to me and she's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm like, girl, my father came here on a 747. So did my mom. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, leave me out of it. And then there was the aspect of like, there was another black girl who came in the class and they were kind of like, you know, gesturing toward her. Like, oh, you found your kind now. Uh, oh, uh, <laughs> let me, let's fast forward to like an adult situation. I'll never forget the day that like, uh, I'm working in an office and, I'm probably like one of maybe three black people in the entire company mm -hmm. of a hundred people mm -hmm. who are not working there in an administrative purpose. So I'm okay. not, a, I'm not a secretary. I'm not um, working in the mailroom. Mm -hmm. I'm like a, an executive class uh, employee. And then someone, uh, one of my coworkers finds out I'm Jamaican and I'm like, yeah, my parents are from Jamaica. And then fast forward three months later, a new girl farts and she's Jamaican. And then this girl comes up, she goes, Hey, did you see? There's another Jamaican here. <laughs> you're like, and like, huh? huh? And like, they, they walk by and they're introducing her. I'm like, hi, this is so and so. And we're like shaking hands. And I shook the girl's hand. And then my coworker goes, huh? Huh? You, you, you two, you, you guys would be really good, good together. Like, I, I just think she, you guys would look so cute together. Now, mind you, the, the girl's actually attractive. Yeah. But the only reason she said that is like, oh, another Jamaican girl. Okay, okay. Andrew, this is your chance. So you see, there's a, it's a little bit different. Like just because, you know, the person's Jamaican, that, that doesn't mean we're going to agree. The population in Jamaica is how many millions of people? Yeah, in Jamaica, it's probably like three something million. Yeah. And I, it's, I'd, I'd bet my life, if not my entire savings, well, maybe not my life, but my entire savings, <laughs> that the number of Jamaicans outside of Jamaica is higher. <laughs> yes, it's true. And what's funny is like, is Jamaica is however many like, thousands of square miles and then you know people used to say to my mother like you're from an island and you don't know how to swim mm -hmm. i was like i've been to the beach twice all the time we went to jamaica i've been to the beach twice yeah we're from the mountains yeah <laughs> we're nowhere near the beach <laughs> like uh people don't understand that like even though jamaica is small like there's there are certain places that don't have access to the beach and yeah. do you want to drive two hours to go to the beach and then have to drive two hours back up the mountain to go back to where you live I don't know. Like, and and then who who is driving? Who has the car? Do you trust um, you know, Big Nose Tony cuz you know. Oh yeah, there's, there's <laughs> got to be a Big Nose Tony. Cuz there's only like seven names in Jamaica. There's always so a, rude. a Barrington, uh an Everton, a Clive, uh, a Donovan. A Donovan, yeah. Patrick. So there's, there's only going to be so much in your town. So you have to distinguish them. So you have Fat Donovan, <laughs> you have Skinny D Donovan, and and then you get the nickname that has nothing to do with you. Like uh, I was actually looking. Uh, there's a reggae artist whose name is Coffee. The way she got her name is in mind you when she's like 12 years old. Someone saw her drinking coffee and said, "Hey, Coffee," and that's what she's been called that's years later. <laughs> because one day somebody not that she drinks coffee all the time. Oh, I can understand that nickname. No, one day someone saw her drinking coffee and goes, "That's your name now." That you've you've been minted, what and and the thing about Jamaicans' uh, nicknames is that you can have your government name, which is going to be like Victoria, Carolyn, um, you know, Wendy uh, and Jones, <laughs> Shelly, um, Victoria, Carolyn, you know, uh, Barrington the third, right? But they're going to call you like Ugly Bev. That's a real, you know, that's a real nickname to call somebody Ugly Bev. Oh my God. My mother was like, no, people do not highlight any good quality about you. Mm -mm. One leg Peter. Like, wow. 
are you ableist? Siobhan, the last time I was there, there was a man who was friends uh, with one of my father's friends. His name was Uno. And I'm like, why do you guys call him Uno? And then I noticed the man only has one hand. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> this man went through the trauma of losing a hand. And then oh they God. changed his name to Uno. Oh, my God. Like, it's, it amazes me, like, how someone who could be, like, so sweet and loving. And they do it out of love. They're like, yeah, we're going to make fun of you for the next 40 years because you lost your hand in the 10th grade. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? This guy should be in therapy. <laughs> One thing, we were over um, one of Rent to Laura's house. Um, and so we're talking. And this is, it's been a really good time to like link up back with like my mother and her sisters because they actually start telling you like the real stories now. So my mother's talking about like fat shaming and how like they're just relentless with telling people they fat, right? So she's, you know, she's sort of acting out something and, you know, looking me up and down touching my face nice girl nice girl because you know that's how they first start they say how nice you are because like they can't this bubbling up inside because they can't help it boy you big i may have to hug you in installments can you imagine (laughs) hug somebody in installments oh the jamaican people are the worst people to put on weight (laughs) around because they will see you walking down the street and they're like oh that (laughs) i lose that Lucy Big Sir. Lord God, she fat. How long she get fat, sir? They're like, oh, like, you're like, Grandma, she just had like two kids. <laughs> no, sir. A tree pick me that. Lucy must have three babies. Look, wow. look, pan Lucy. You're like, and Lucy's like, I just had like um, partial liver failure. And so I had ascites. <laughs> Mind me, this is the first time Lucy has like walked and like, months after i know she's dropping, been in physical therapy dropping like twins i know and then like lucy's been in postpartum depression and everything <laughs> the first thing she hears when she goes up the hill to see her grandma lad lucy you're fat you know <laughs> it's um it's something that we are all going to work on with jamaicans because we really need to like talk about that history and try to curb that just curb yeah, that a like, little bit uh, our cousin has a wedding in two months I'm in the gym right now because I just know that like I'm already a big dude and I've been a big dude for a while, but I just know there's going to be certain relatives when they see me like, Lord God, look Panandra. <laughs> big sock. He's nice, but they big. Luckily for me, though, I've lost weight. I lost like 10 pounds over the summer. Show so off. I'm good because like, because, you know, like when you lose weight, you know, they, they, they give you they look you up and down, look you up and down. You look good. You look good. And that's really the best you're going to get. So I'm just going to stick with this. I've been tracking my calories just as an insurance policy because I, I can't go back. Because <laughs> the second I gain a pound, my mother was asking me, she's like, are you going to have any more children? No, nah, I'm not going to risk that. Because if I get fat, that's <laughs> the end no, of it. Yeah, man, we're in our 30s now. There's no coming back after nah, this. Man. I snapped back after the first one. The second one, I had to like really suck it in. But no, nah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to. Uh, not going to risk it. So let's get back to the helpline because I need to keep things organized. <laughs> uh, we were talking one day about um, my mother, my brother, and me. We're talking about what makes someone a real Jamaican. And we've decided, and this is a, obviously a sarcasm, but let's break it down. Um, you must have in your home a tin of Milo, 
uh, a bottle of Dettol because really that's the only way we sanitize mm. and clean it, clean yep. anything. Yep. We don't use Resolve carpet cleaner. We don't use uh, really bleach. We don't use no. yep. Dettol is an all-purpose cleaner, all-surface cleaner. Doesn't all-surface. Matter. You bathe with it. Clear, it clears up the skin. <laughs> all right, all right. See, I didn't even know about um, black soap. I knew about Dettol, and also, and this is one my mother brought up, which and this is important, an unopened, unopened bottle of Ray and Nephew overproof rum. I'm not talking about that silver edition that you get from the posh grocery store. No, we're talking about the old school Ray and Nephew, the gold, the green uh, labeling with the coins on it. That's the one you're looking for. It must be unopened. You know, I bought one and Chris opened it. I was like, damn it, I'm trying to be a Jamaican. Shavad, I Sabotage. have... I have Two bottles in my apartment right now. Okay, you looking good. You looking good. I have one on the counter mm-hmm. that I use. Mm-hmm. But then I have the special one that's underneath the sink that that's no right. one, that no one's allowed to touch. Okay, because I know that if my father comes in the apartment one day, and my dad doesn't really drink rum, mm. but he's gonna his friends that live up here will will stop by when he's mm. up here, and I know one of them is like I can't bring to them a half open bottle of Ray nephew. He's like, no, sir. <laughs> who, who, who's in here drinking before me? Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> like your your bottle and, has to be a virgin. And to that point, <laughs> to that point, there's one more thing we have to add to that list. Mm-hmm. You must have a box of worn Dominoes. Oh my not, god! Not How fresh. Think, wow. Not brand new. They have to be worn because if someone hasn't slapped wow. them down on the table 27 times in three minutes, if they haven't put it down and says six, picked it back up and says six again, and then. Th- they're not the proper dominoes. You have to have them worn. So eat before you have company over. Make sure you're using them and just slamming them on the table while you, like you're doing laundry or mm-hmm. watching TV or something. Just randomly slam them down just to make sure they get the proper texture that you're going to need on there. And, and the box, what is it? The box, is it a leather box? Yes, it's always, it can be, but sometimes it can be the slide out box on the yes, top. Yes, yes, yeah, that's the one That's thing also about. acceptable. Okay. It, it cannot be in cardboard because if it's in cardboard, that means you're not opening it enough to really run down the dominoes mm, as you should. Exactly. It has to be a hard surface dominoes box. And I would suggest for anyone who is just buying a new domino set, like maybe throw it down the stairs, mm, maybe mm-hmm. like run it over the pavement or something. People have to know that you're using this. Um, because that's the only way to really verify your authenticity. Um, if yeah. if you happen to have like a new set of dominoes, like what does that say about you? It, it says you're not living right. You know what it says? Mm. It says you're the police. Oh, see? If you go you into somebody's house. Yeah. You undercover. If you go into somebody's house and they got a fresh pair of dominoes, <laughs> an open bottle of Rare Nephew, the house don't smell like they just used that towel. They don't offer you some tea no, or sir. some Milo? No, sir. That's the feds. Mm-hmm. Run out of that house That's right. right now. Okay. And you, who was it? Uh, there's a one guy, that white guy on, on um, Facebook. Was it White Yardy? Oh, yeah, White Yardy. <laughs> Don't assume that you got one of those. Because if one of the White Yardies comes out, you're like, you know what? Your accent is good. But I don't smell the dead tall. So you see how the disconnect is, right? I know you got it down. Maybe you have like a a, um, a voice coach or an accent coach. They did their thing. But you missed the dead tall. See that? And you know what it is? That's the tell, right? It's yeah. the mob tell where um, or somebody told me like, let's say you're cutting up meat, right? And you switch the fork from your left hand to your right. Oh, traitor. Mm. See? Mm. So just top tips. 
coming live from the bleak yeah. <laughs> you know i remember a couple of years ago there were some jokes on twitter about growing up jamaican mm-hmm. and one of the things that i said when this was happening i said i knew i was jamaican because every sunday morning i woke up to music playing and i knew it was time to clean the house yes if you hear this song that goes like i'm next in line <laughs> for my blessing <laughs> it is time to get up and sweep the floor Every clean up the bathroom has an equal right to live and be free <laughs> oh that was a new school that's <laughs> oh wait that's the wrong horn i, I pressed the soundboard oh well i'm gonna have to get this is a new equipment so i'm gonna have to double check that one later yeah, we're, we're posh now. We still have to figure all these things out, you know? New money. New money, you know? We're too posh. We're here with our, our unopened dominoes, which we're, we're going to work on that. We have to be able to slap them down. I got to ask, I, I ask Kali about that because he's like, what's funny is he's younger, but he's still just in the thick of being Jamaican like, like the oh, rest no, of the old yeah, heads. Kali is like legit. Because he was he was born there. Like but and then he so hung around. Ray. Yeah, but he hung around everybody. That's the thing. Like my, my older brother Ray and our uh, cousin Kali, they're pretty much the same age. they have a similar relationship to me and Shavon. They like, grew up like brothers a little bit. They're nine days apart. Yeah, literally nine days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're uh, nine uh, months. Oh <laughs> uh, quick side note, the women in our family tend to do things in pairs. Yeah. So every one of our cousins literally has a cousin who's like the same age as them. Yeah. That's at most six months older than them. Mm-hmm. Or we have a, this frequently where, like recently, my birthday mm-hmm. was uh, a couple couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself, my cousin's son, my aunt, and two other cousins who weren't in attendance all have birthdays within a week of each other. So our family tends to follow patterns. <laughs> no, we, we like to coordinate things. Um, let's just get this knocked out right now. Yeah, because you know, we're Jamaican. We're trying to get savings. So <laughs> we only have to pay for one delivery room. Exactly. So like... You can have push out your baby on Monday, but you're going to stay a little longer. Like, yeah. hey, uh, I'm going to slip my baby in here. Oh, yeah. And then they're just going to give us a bunch of formula, and then we get out of here. Boom. Yeah. You just saved yourself $200. See? Enterprising. Yeah, but, like, that's the thing. Like, uh, my brother didn't grow up around, like, we grew up around Jamaicans, but, like, other Jamaican-American kids. Oh, okay. Kali, uh, grew up around other people who were like literally just got came here from Jamaica, mm. so he had like a little more of a direct, uncut yeah, source. Yeah, yeah. So he was uh, picked up on all those old uh, mannerisms and habits uh, a little bit more than me and, and my brother would. There's some things. There was one thing I never forget. He's um, he has three children, and he's he's looking at the um, the second one, and he just gives him this look. And you know what, like. It's, it's only that authentic look that you get with experience. And he, he's like, he's that worn dominoes. He looks at his son. He says, boy, I see the difference between you and your sister. Ungrateful. <laughs> <laughs> ungrateful. That, that, that's a big one is to be ungrateful. So just. Oh, God. <laughs> the deadliest of sins. <laughs> mm, you'll, but, you'll hear that forever. You know what, though? There's what's funny is and I'm learning this with my children is that they don't have any context to be able to appreciate the things that you've done to um, to get them what they have. So it's impossible for them to see, like, to appreciate everything because for them everything's new. They don't have that backstory. They don't have, like, the 15 years of experience to come to this moment to say, you know, it's a good thing we have this. For them, it's like, oh, we have it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, I guess. it's there. Like, I remember, like, when my parents first came here, like, practically nothing like they had the benefit of family being here mm-hmm. so it's easier to make that adjustment 
But, you know, when I was younger, it was going to Valley Fair and putting stuff on layaway. Mm-hmm. The concept of Jordans didn't exist in my house. No. And then now I hear my nephew saying, like, oh, I want I want the KDs. I want Durant's. And my brother's just like, you want Durant's? What you know about pro kids? <laughs> what you know about having to go to school with four stripes instead of three? Mm. Because Adidas was $79, but the K-Swiss knockoff, not even the Adidas knockoff, yeah. the K-Swiss knockoffs mm. was only $40. Exactly. That You don't know, you don't understand that life. And now you come in here asking me for $170 sneakers? What? Are you crazy, boy? But you know what's funny is that we don't, we didn't raise our kids like that. We wanted them to have those things because we're almost making up for the past. Exactly. But you can't do that because um, they, they're not going to have that appreciation. And so, yeah, they're going to ask you for the $170 thing because... I mean, you look like, like you look like you balling out of control. Let me get some of that. And that's, I'm entitled to this. That's the irony. Yeah, we can afford the hundred and seventy dollars exactly. Now, we don't want to. But give I it don't to want you. it. Yeah, <laughs> like when I go, like when Christmas time comes, in my mind, like my nephew's asking me, like, "Oh yeah, I want a, I want a PS4," and I'm like, "Don't you have an Xbox?" Yeah, but there's games that they have on there that I can't play there. Mm. And yes, I can afford to buy my PS4, but I'm like. You don't know the struggle that I had mm-hmm. of convincing my parents to get us that Sega Genesis and getting straight A's. And, mm-hmm. and then coming and my father's just like, you're supposed to get A's. I'm supposed to buy you something because you got A's? <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> and then waiting the, the whole year for him to say, you know what? I got a little bit of money. You guys have been behaving yourselves like you're supposed to. He'd always remind us. <laughs> you're supposed to. Yeah. But I'm, I, I'm feeling good. I'm going to get you the Sega Genesis. And we couldn't say nothing for That's a it. year. That's like, it. Once we got it, we're like, all right, don't we look at each other, hey, don't answer nothing. Don't don't mess up. Don't do nothing. Because he will take this away so quickly. And you know what? Yeah, all I can hear, I can hear it right now, like forks like being dropped in the kitchen. You see damn kids? <laughs> like the minute you ask for anything. So and you know what's it's what's funny is like we had this this uh, at least I had this image where let's say we go to Jamaica. You know, my mother's talking about how, how little money she has, right? We go into Jamaica. They pay she's paying for herself, me, my brother. Um, our aunts are paying for their kids and whatever. And then we, I didn't even make the connection in my mind, like where all this money was coming from, yeah. or how much it costs. I almost thought that this was like separate money, money that they always kept mm-hmm. to just go home. But as far as like um a discretionary spending, um, my Xbox was not part of that exactly. discretionary spending. And you don't realize it until, like, they send you there for the summer and you're thinking, like, oh, my God, I got to go to Jamaica. Like, the TV goes off at 10 p.m. <laughs> down there. And then you're, like, you're not thinking about that the fact that your parents, like, busted their ass to get that airfare. Yeah. So you can go down there and have that connection mm-hmm. with, like, your grandparents and your grandaunts and cousins. Like, I think about it now. Like, I didn't go to Jamaica for, like, 10 years at one point. Yeah. And then when I went there and I saw my great-grandaunt for the first time, and like how excited she got, like, oh my God, Andrew, you're so big, you're a grown man now. Mm-hmm. And then like I was like, holy shit, like this is crazy. Like, and and I, I went there spending my own money for the first time. <laughs> and you were like, Yeah, and I was like, ooh. <laughs> and we went in yo, we went on the fights. Ooh. Listen, I still have to buy my tickets because I was like, we have to go to Jamaica this summer. The kids have to be there. Cause they don't know them. Nobody knows them. You know, um, and the, the thing about it is, too, is I was talking to one of my aunts on my dad's side, and we were talking about how the new generation, like, we have kids, and we're so stressed out because we're with the kids all the time, and we don't have anybody's... Remember, like, over the weekends, sometimes I used to be over my aunt's house all day. Yeah. And so that was babysitting. That was time for my mother to, like, 
readjust to like have time to herself to like take a nap like get a break and so we as a new generation we don't really we don't do that we don't lean on people like that and so with that disconnect we're stressing ourselves out and so when when we start building again and coming back around and saying like you know what let's tap these resources i think it's better for us because we um just being able to like just recently i've been leaving the kids over um and to Lorna's house and I can go to Target by myself. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I like, we'll drop the kids off and me and Chris will be like running around doing errands. We'll be like, <laughs> like, when did we just actually sit down on the couch and relax and just like watch a movie? Cause we don't have any time to ourselves. And so we like rush around trying to do all these things that we wanted to do, you know, once the kids are away. But, um, that's the, the benefit of, of looking back in hindsight and saying like, wow, they had, they had the support system to be able to connect their kids with their culture, but also have time for themselves because while you were away for the summer, this is how like your parents' relationship was able to flourish and build and repair, mm -hmm. you know, when we don't have all those stresses from the kids, because of course we love them, but they're a stressor and they change your relationship and yeah. how you handle things. So when you come back, like, your parents were, yeah, they missed you, but I mean, yeah, it and was more than good. Keep To keep it PG-13, mm. all the things that you did that made you produce those children, it's hard to do once you have them. Yes. So when they're out of the picture and, you, and you're just having fun with each other again, yes. and like, like you get that little bit of a break to just settle your mind. You don't have 30 things on your to-do list mm -hmm. that, and 17 of them are kids when it's just 13 things and you finish early. Like, hey, babe, let's just sit down. Let's watch a movie. Yeah. Babe, babe, let's go to dinner. Yeah. Let's, I don't feel like cooking tonight. Let's just go out. Uninterrupted dinners. The places you can go is a lot different when you don't have to worry about, does that place have high chairs? <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Carbone doesn't have high chairs. <laughs> You're not going to find that at like Tarico or whatever. Oh my gosh. No, my son sits in my lap. We're, we're past high chairs, but now it's like, I want to see your lap. So that's, I mean... So I'll tell you what, this quick side note, Siobhan, I'm volunteering Uncle Andrew services. When you want to, whenever next time you guys want to have a nice dinner in the city or come mm -hmm. in, feel free to drop them off in the apartment. Got to give me forty eight hours notice because you yes. know I'm, I'm a single man, live a crazy lifestyle. I just need to know ahead of time, <laughs> and then I can watch them for you. Thank you. See, this is this is the connection and the community we're trying to build because, I mean. I've already written season one. I need to write season two. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I do appreciate that, um, cousin. Thank you very much. And yeah, this is this is what we're building is this community, this black experience. We're talking about it. We're um, providing therapy for each other to, to get through it. Um, yeah, this is what I hope it will be. This is the bleak outlook. This is our look into the past, the future, the present, who we are, who we're becoming. Um, I uh, I had a friend recommend an artist to me, this jazz drummer uh, named Youssef Days. And it, my uncle is the only, per uncle on my dad's side is one of the, the only people, one of the only people I know who listens to jazz. And he's listened to jazz for years. He's a, from the time I was a kid playing like Boney James and Miles Davis and, um, David Benoit and a lot of different artists. And so when I started listening to Youssef, I downloaded the artists that were um, sort of around uh, on, on his track, Love is a Message. 
and it got me into thinking like, wow, this is, this is the jazz I would listen to if I were ever to listen to jazz because it actually sounds like what's at the end of like a root song or something. So it's, it's, it's feels very neo soul and it felt very natural for me to listen to it. And so I felt like connecting with my uncle and I, um, I had my brother text my aunt and I said, we're coming over and I was like, yeah, you know, I just started, I told my uncle, I was like, yeah, you know, I just started listening to some jazz and he knew who I was talking about. He knew the artist I was talking about. And it was like, he was, he felt really pleased that I was listening to jazz and really pleased that I had come to see him. And my aunt, um, she had gone through some things. So we were talking and, you know, connecting and I'm talking to her as a grown woman now, not a child. So it was a different conversation. So it was really great. You know, what's funny is that like, a couple people heard about me going over because I, I guess I have this reputation of staying in the house and never leaving. <laughs> I don't know where it came from, but um, my cousin called me. Mimi called me and she's like, girl, you get out, you got out the house. Now, mind you, no one has seen Mimi in about 10 years. Siobhan. <laughs> But I'm the one who don't leave the I house. I swear to God, I could pass Mimi on the street and I wouldn't recognize her. Exactly. It's been that long for me. Exactly. Oh my God. I so she calls me and she was like, girl, we got to link up. And so I'm talking to her and she's like, Mm, who is this girl? She's like, what you want? I was like, I'm on life, honey. I, I have a tapered cut now. My twist out is banging. Uh, Wakanda forever. Like all these things, right? So uh, then my dad just called me while I was driving over here. He was like, yeah, I heard you went over uncle's house. I was like, everybody heard that. But it was just something where um, I was coming back around to make that connection. And everybody was like, yeah, I, I think it resonates with people. And I want this, I want this experience for us to resonate so that's what we're building. Um, and Siobhan, I got to say, I think that's the perfect way for us to go out. Uh, that is definitely the message that I want to participate in of mm -hmm. connecting, understanding, and really finding little parts of culture that lead to this. Because jazz is a music, it's an art form, but that art form is part of culture. And that is what was your link to your uncle, and that sparked to your cousin, and your family and just connecting with everybody over again. So I think the best way for us to end this episode is to go out with some music from Yusef Days. That's how you say it? Days or Dice? Days. Days. Okay. And this is Love is the Message because it's it's a banger. This is a wonderful song. You've just listened to the pilot episode of the Bleak Outlook. It's a year later from the development of this podcast originally. I wrote for this podcast in late 2018. Andrew and I took our notes for it and it was something that we had to hold off. You know, I don't, I want to change the narrative. It's not a year late. We had commitments with our jobs, with our personal life that prevented us from starting this podcast when we wanted to, excuse me, it was 2017 that I started 2017. I wrote for this. We had different, um, stressors and, and obligations of, uh, work and home life that prevented us from coming around to record this podcast um, up until now. And I think it's the right time because I've been making personal connections. I've been working on myself and my mental health and uh, connecting with family and with music and having different experiences as someone who is finally at 34, being liberated in my mind um, to experience not only my side as a scientist, but myself as a creator. And not having those things feel in conflict or feel like I have to lock away my creativity 
because it's too dangerous. It's too uncontrolled. So this is uh, this is a bleak outlook. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. Music by Yusef Days, Alpha Mist, Mansour Brown, and Rocco Paladino.